West Auckland artist Bernie Harfleet and Turtle Sarton make visible the things we often find uncomfortable to talk about. Urgent social issues all around us like family harm, mental health and poverty. This pair of creatives and community care workers have long been doing remarkable things. Since 2002 they've been staging some really rather ambitious outdoor installations that involve public participation which they call Community Activated Art Action. Bernie and Turtle's art is often big in both heart and in numbers. Back in 2016, 10,000 white toy windmills, representing at the time the 5% of New Zealand adults who had experienced psychological distress in the month prior to that, that was 10,000 white toy windmills. And then in 2014, they strung 6,000 lunchboxes from trees as part of their Feed the Kids 2 project. Uh, And different iterations of that project have seen 7,500 low-decile students gifted lunch inside those lunchboxes. And then in 2015, Bernie and Turtle uh, founded Give a Kid a Blanket, collecting blankets, pyjamas and other warm items uh, which are given out to the community. It's now a registered charity uh, working year-round and they've gifted over 100,000 items. But the duo's latest artwork is at this country's largest outdoor exhibition that's coming up. It's NZ Sculpture on Shore, which is returning after a five-year hiatus to the North Shore clifftop at Oporetu Fort Takapuna in November, and Bernie Harfleet joins us on Culture 101. Kia ora, Bernie. Yeah, kia ora, Mark. Lovely to hear your voice. Lovely to hear yours too again. It's been a while. <laughs> 31 years, I, I think. I think 31 years since we yes. last spoke. Um, thank you for all the work you do. It's, it's just remarkable looking at it. It must be quite exhausting even <laughs> looking back over it. Uh, yeah, it's amazing to hear you start listing things off because I'm filling in all the gaps of which which there are many. Um, I, I don't mean that made by you, but it's incredible <laughs> what we've managed to fit in and we're probably at the point of exhaustion now. But yeah. um, the, the way to deal with that is just keep going. Yeah, so Give a Kid a Blanket is now, sounds like a very, very full-time operation. How, how was this winter? This winter was full on yet again. Uh, we usually do... Uh, winter over a two-month period uh, very intensely. Uh, usually it's June, July, but we did May, June this year. We helped or got stuff out to about 3,500 people. Mm. Uh, of those, around 1,100 were cyclone or flood affected. The right. initial response in those things, of course, when it happened was um, prompt and wonderful, but pretty much a Band-Aid. So a lot of people now are getting into more permanent housing situations uh, and those that didn't have uh, contents insurance, would have been, which was many people, of course, um, roof over their head now, but nothing to put in it. And simple yeah. things that you wouldn't think of, like uh, that we take for granted, like towels. Many people used those, of course, to help clean up. And because of the <laughs> effluent and things that was in that water, they just had to be dumped rather than washed. Oh, my goodness, yeah, quite the washing pile. Um, yes, yes. And But you've been going for since 2015. It must be really interesting to see... The, the ebbs and flows of social services over that time, um, I mean, are things getting better or worse, or how are they? Look, you, honestly, you, you get to see that longer picture than a lot of politicians we, would. We get to see a long picture. We've um, got to see it over a couple of different governments now. How we work is we don't take private requests. We work through agencies that are out there doing the mahi. So um, public health nurses, uh, Waitamata police, particularly family harm and uh, youth youth, but all police that come to us, public health nurses, social workers, uh, refuge people and stuff. So really they're at the coal face, and our thing is to 
resource them really well for each individual family. So each request they make is very specific to a family, but they are the experts. And our thing is why should they sit down and fill out a whole lot of paperwork to try and achieve resources for a family? Uh, so what we're doing is supporting their professional decisions and turning it over very quickly. I but mean, those it, families with police are in, in a crisis, so they need things immediately. But and isn't this crazy? Isn't this what public social services should be about? I mean, it sounds like we're just failing if if you're still having to do this eight years later. Yeah, and, and we're, uh, as I say, we, we feel this is part of our art practice, and we certainly have no... Uh, government subsidies, except we did have some money from MSD when, um, a little money from the MSD when the flooding happened and the cyclone. But what we would say is that really people are dealing with extreme weather every day. It just happens to be the droughts of poverty and the storms of family violence and the uncertain weather of uh, health issues. Mm. But um, but just to just to say this, you know, everyone wants to know is it better or worse? And honestly, I haven't got a really good answer for that because our heads are down and our bums up doing the work. But I do know no charity or agency in New Zealand on a Thursday says, "Oh, hang on a minute, we've run out of work." <laughs> you know, it's always <laughs> yeah. it's always there. Well, you talk about it for you and Turtle as as, as an art practice, and, and people will be asking out there, "What what about this as art?" Well, it's a social engagement. We would say we are social artists. Social artists really ask, instead of um, making something for an audience to view, is for the audience to be part of that artwork and together make social change. So um, that whole engagement, we did photograph every year and have had three different photographic exhibitions of the documentation of of the process of Give a Kid a Blanket. One thing we do which is different to a lot of charities or artworks in fact is we never uh, photograph the people that receive things from us ultimately. We only ever photograph uh, donors and those community yeah. service people because it can be very victimising, I think. And it, it, unintentionally maybe, but victimising. So why not celebrate us as a community actually managing to do something? That's very difficult, isn't it? You know, there's nothing more heartwarming than a, a, a young Tamariki child with a, a blanket around them, you know. Um, yeah, I think there's that. Uh, but I think the message is like for kids and schools we go into, sometimes the message to those children is... Um, aren't you lucky because the people we're giving to are, are they and we are we? You know, there's that mm. separation. My answer would be, well, aren't you lucky to be part of a of a loving, giving community that'll be there for you if things change? Um, and so yeah. that's valid of celebration and hopefully it's valid of people getting on board mm. and not having blinkers on and not needing to actually see the the child with the blanket or the starving child with the vulture sitting by them to prompt them into action. So you, you both got a, a long history as, as artists. So I'm still kind of interested to know if you know if you were if, if someone was to set up what you're doing, who didn't come from an art background. I mean, what, what is it? What is different about it in that sense? To what we're doing, to what they're yeah, doing. Well, yeah, yeah. Or what you what the, what you think bringing an artist brings to this work? I hope it, uh, it has a sense of. Uh, well, it links to our other community work, I think, in terms of all our artworks focused on, 
I guess almost what you said in the introduction was the darker side of, of humanity mm. and it's practical in action. So while other people are busy pointing at parents and politicians in a blaming way, uh, we're pointing at ourselves and the, and the community that's become Gibbakita Blanket. It's certainly not just us anymore. Mm. From the art point of view, baseline, I reckon... As we're artists, if we say it's artwork, therefore it is. Mm. In terms of, not to be gross, but you know, there can be some artists that would uh, defecate on the street and point to it and say, that's my art. So I think (laughs) we're better off pointing to this and saying, this is our art. And it is because we say it is. Well, the two of you have got interesting different backgrounds and that I understand Turtle actually has a, a master's in art, went through Elam, so went through that kind of high-end art area, whereas you're, you're self-taught, right? Yeah, absolutely, and that's the two contrasts, but there's another contrast to it. I mean, I'm, I would say as a self-taught artist, I was someone who was always interested in art from a very early age. Uh, my adopted mother was a night class teacher in ceramics, so I was always around art. Uh, night classes, firing kilns and stuff, but actually when I found my birth father, it turned out to be my uh, a paternal grandfather who was a, was a, um artist of sorts anyway. Yeah, right. But there was a bit of that, but I've always wanted to be an artist. I aspired to that through high school, had great teachers, unfortunately ran into one that we clashed a lot uh, and, and um, stuff, but always came back to it. Now for Turtle, on the other hand, she didn't aspire to art at all, until um, as an adult student. So when she went and got her degree, a bachelor's first out at um, Manukau and then a master's of fine arts at Elam, it was um, as a as a adult student and a, and a much older and a 40s adult student, which uh, I hugely admire. Mm. So what was it like coming together? I mean, you sort of like kind of, you've kind of created quite a partnership here, right, as, as artists. It, Absolutely. Was... So the first partnership is our um, partnership as, as life partners. So we came together in uh, the mid-90s, and um, I guess at that time she wasn't looking at art at all. I was still, mm. I was painting at that time. Uh, and then... She started. Uh, she went to a, a class, I think, at Rutherford High School. They had going during the day of adult people with some very, very good tutors, and many of them went on to tertiary study amongst her. We both have very similar social concerns. We were in exhibitions separately. The sculpture on shore, for instance, I think we've both been in that four times separately. Um, but it was all coming out of the same house, same discussion, and, and honestly, same budget, house budget, <laughs> to make the stuff. The trouble with social art is, um, you know, there's no money in it. There's no money, no. <laughs> I think no. The, the, the windmills you talked about, for instance, I think it cost us $14,000 to make those, <sighs> and I think we broke even by 20 bucks. And they, that, weren't, they uh, weren't a toy windmill, they were a... They were a um, number eight wire stem that, that I designed and had pushed oh. out on a machine. Those those uh, polypropylene white heads, Turtle put in uh, 10,000 grommets and washers oh. by a foot, and I put in 10,000 by hand. So, Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Factory it's a, production there. Yeah, abs- absolutely. So everything's very <laughs> processed. But um, it just seemed logical that we start working together. And, in fact, that really got me onto 
looking at sculpture and installation and away from painting because of what she was doing. Well, well the funny thing is when you mention that, you kind of make me think of Ai Weiwei, and we don't really have other artists in New Zealand, I think, of, you know, who, who work almost talking to that kind of model of, of economic production, but also just with a bit of a social conscience. And yet your work isn't in public galleries. It's it's not part of their public programs. I, I'm, I'm really interested as to... F- whether you feel ignored by the art world or whether it just doesn't matter to you? Uh, it would be... I've got to say some of our fellow artists and um, some well-respected ones now um, acknowledge who we are, and that's really lovely. Mm. It's been nice to be in exhibitions and acknowledged by people that once I just admired rather than aspire to being in something with... It would be nice to be in some more um, collections. I remember running into Tiffany Singh once, and she said, "Oh, mm. you know, you, you're my you're my peers because there's not really anyone doing social art." Yeah, uh, I think there are people out there doing social art, but it, you know, that if you don't wave a big flag and saying this is what we're doing, then then it might get missed a little. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a little bit of some of your past work before we come to this current work, which is really interesting. I, I wanted to bring up the, uh, I call it the lunchbox work, where you ended up, you know, feeding seven and a half thousand kids. Am I right with these figures? They sound incredible. Yeah, that's right. So it came out of, in 2014, I think it was, the number of kids going to school hungry, which is to say without lunch, and I guess a lot of them hadn't had breakfast, but certainly without lunch was around 83,000. So the initial work, which was Turtle's work, but I was part of obviously, was uh, we put 83,000 white spoons into the burn of uh, Tartatu Peninsula, which is a peninsula up here. Mm, we've got co- a photograph of that on our website, yeah, quite it, something. Yeah. What was wonderful with that was um, many of that community just turned up and started putting spoons in. And those spoons uh, were 127 metres long by about four metres deep. So they, they made an impact. And I think a lot of that stuff, and the same with the windmills, which was about anxiety and depression, and that 10,000 you named, that's only 5% of how many adult New Zealanders would have anxiety and depression each month. When you're amongst those spoons or you're amongst those windmills, you really get it. Like a newsreader can say that figure and you're quite shocked for about three and a half seconds before that item moves on. But to be amongst it, it's very confronting. And confronting in a good way. We had some wonderful conversations about mental health with people uh, with with those windmills. You're sort of answering my question because part of you kind of goes in my head, the difference between the artwork and the action. And, you you know, with the lunchboxes, you were doing both. You ended up filling them with food yep. and they went out. It's it's kind of like you were doing both ends of the spectrum as you do now with uh, with the with the blanket charity. Yes, yes the lunchboxes were, again, the second piece. So the first one was called Feed the Kids. The second one, Feed the Kids 2, T-double-O, was at New Zealand Sculpture and again uh, on shore. That show raises money for Women's Refuge, and if we're not doing work directly about uh, refuges' work, we try and make work about their concerns. Obviously, poverty mm. and hungry kids leads to some of the um, violence that happens. But when, so, you're, when you're on the North Shore, though, I mean, it's not West Auckland. It's it's not an area, well, I may be assuming something, where there's so much poverty. I mean, who experiences the work and how you tailor it is kind of interesting as to what you're trying to do with these projects, is that be right? 
Yeah, in many ways. It's interesting. I, I said to a group the other night, and I and I changed the quote a bit, which was be curious, not assumptive, because um, actually there are some large pockets of poverty on the North Shore. Yeah, right. But on the North Shore, there's also some large pockets of people that could help to do something about it in terms of um, not only as donors or givers, but just awareness makers, do you know? Um, yeah. It's interesting. So the first uh, show, the Give a Kid a Blank, sorry, the um, Feed the Kids too, which was at the North Shore, that had 6,000 lunchboxes in. And that was a bright, colourful, they were brand new from Systema, uh, kinetic artwork. So you don't have to say all the dark things in a dark way. Mm. And then people that came to that show could sponsor a, a lunchbox and give us some money towards putting food in it. And when they came down, they were washed and we spent eight months getting them out to kids. <laughs> we repeated it with Feed the Kids to Capital down at the Lux Light Festival. And that's the photo that's on your page. Yeah, uh, With 1,500 kids. And there we worked with the city mission, uh, helping get some food in and pick the appropriate schools. Now, the interesting thing was when you're talking about who the message is going to or who's around it, Sculpture and Shore is a paid show, so it raises money, and rightly so for Women's Refuge, Lux is a free show. Now, in Auckland, amongst 6,000 children, one boy told me he had seen that work. Hmm. And in fact, he told me he saw it in the <laughs> South Island. Now, the show's in Fort Tuckapuna in Devonport. And I said, you can't have. And he said, I did, because after church, my nana took me on the ferry and we went across to the South Island. Now, <laughs> when we were in Wellington and we had turns going down and going to those low decile schools with the city messenger, sorry. Yeah, you're not sure what I'm trying to say. Uh, yeah. And she's, and we went with her and half the children in every school had seen the work because their parents knew go, knew about going to free activities. Mm. So, yeah, sometimes it would be great if everyone could see the work, but sometimes I guess it's about why the show's on mm. and on the shore, as I say, hopefully. But, yes, I mean, I've had a teacher of a school on the North Shore who collected for us, ask where blankets were going and when I named all the areas of Auckland including the North Shore she was aghast she just yeah, was so yeah. unaware of the poverty on the shore all that plastic Bernie is kind of also as a sculptural material quite disturbing I mean as you say they're existing lunch boxes and then they're going somewhere but it's it's quite something seeing a tree full of plastic yeah and look honestly what was more disturbing in a funny sort of way was when we went to the schools with those lunch boxes was and there's one particular image of a little girl I can think of that she hugged that lunchbox like it was a teddy bear because most of the kids... I mean, a lunchbox with a lunch isn't such a big thing, it would seem, but yes, it is. Most of those kids didn't have a lunchbox. Mm. If they had lunch at school, it was it got squashed in a bag somewhere and stuff. But, yeah, it was a disturbing image. Yeah. <laughs> and so both ways, I guess. Well, let's talk about your new work at um, the NZ Sculpture on Shore Work, And Then They Kissed Me. Um, it sounds like something that could be quite traumatic and triggering for some people around domestic violence. I think it could be, and it's um, certainly something that we've suggested uh, a trigger warning outside the space. Can you describe the work for us? And what people yeah, I can. Experience? Firstly, I'm very lucky I'd say that this is the second in a row commission we've had from Women's Refuge New Zealand to be their, their footprint on the on the show itself, which is exciting. 
Um, last time we had a, a huge maze made out of shipping pallets that uh, spelled out yeah. the word refuge. Um, so some of the stuff in there, so there's uh, four, four or five rooms, five spaces at least. When you first enter the, oh, so it's called the engine room, and it uh, is actually an underground building, which is quite amazing. And one of the things I'm really excited about is that once visitors are in there and they're talking, it's the sort of space when you first walk in you want to start singing because the acoustics are wonderful. But once people are going to be talking in there, I think there's going to be a bit of a sensory overload. And again, I think that really echoes what's probably happening for a lot of those women and kids in their headspace. When you get in there, there's firstly one long room, and in that we've got uh, seven mirrored dresses, like bedroom dresses. They're old ones like you'd have from your grandmother, and the idea of that is around uh, things being handed down generationally too, good things and bad. Uh, within those, on the top of them, I've burnt in uh, with a poker work, so it's very violent, but not obviously until you start thinking about it. A very bold statement that was, would be the perpetrator's or usually male voice, like, um, you're just trying to make me jealous. And then um, under that, or elsewhere on the top of the dresser, the the female voice in that instance example, um, I'm just trying to be me. That is, uh, again, burnt in, but it's burnt in mirrored writing. So when you look in the mirror, and I guess by doing that you become part of the piece, you'll see mm. her words and his words get jumbled into gobbledygook. Again, I'm feeling about this thing about creating a safe space, and you must have had this with the maze work you did. Just people, just being able to look after people with work like that must be an immense part of your, your work. Yeah, I think part of it, Mark, is that then they get up, get out of there, and there's um, 129 other artworks to go and see. <laughs> Do you know, in a way, it's not like you've just been into one space, seen something that's pretty brutal in some ways, and then have to go home. Yeah. And I think there's some respite in that as well. And um, there's another room that's a, that's a sort of padded cell of soft toys. There's another room that has a lot of paper flowers that are made out of uh, restraining orders and other legal documents. There's a projection going in there of, of, of a regular family. Um, and there's another room that's got medals made out of blankets that are hung on hospital hospital uh, blankets. Yeah. They are about the women who have died. 14 a year we managed to kill in New Zealand through domestic violence. Police are taking a call every three minutes. I think uh, mm. in 22 there was uh, 175,573 attendances of items. And, of course... A uh, child, sadly, every five five weeks. So there's some uh, terracotta kiwis with injuries scratched into them around those kids. But, of course, we've got to consider well, how many people are living in hell every day. I mean, they're, they're just, the, I guess, the saddest of statistics. But when people get to leave, there's some uh, little station there and some postcards that they're able to write a postcard to a woman that's under refuge or child under refuge's care. And we'll be passing those on to refuge, and where appropriate, they'll pass them on to some of those people to give them a bit of araha from yeah. people. Bernie, thank you for all your work, and thanks for joining us today. Um, kia ora to you and Turtle. Uh, good luck with the work. Sculpture on the Shore in Auckland, it's going to be on till the 19th of November, I think. Um, money going to New Zealand Women's Refuge. Um, people can find out more details of those on our webpage. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. Lovely to talk to you. Kia ora.